Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. We've got a lot to talk about today. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Erica Donalds is the President and CEO of Optima Foundation. Uh, Naples Classical Academy is opening, and they have a great gala coming up. We're going to find out about that as well. It is May the 7th, and on this day in 1945, the German High Command in the person of General Alfred Jodl signed an unconditional surrender of all German forces east and west at the Reims in northeastern France. At first, General Yodel hoped to limit the terms of German surrender to those only forces still fighting in western allies, but General Dwight Eisenhower demanded complete surrender of all German forces, those fighting in the east as well as those in the west. If this demand was not met, Eisenhower was prepared to seal off the western front, preventing Germans from fleeing to the west in order to surrender, thereby leaving them in the hands of the enveloping Soviet forces. Yodel radioed Grand Admiral Karl Donitz. I'm not kidding, his name was Donitz. Probably not pronounced that way. Uh, Hitler's successor with the terms. Donitz ordered him to uh, sign the uh, agreement. So with Russian General Ivan Superoff, Suslopurov, uh, and French General Francois Seves, Signing as witnesses and General Walter Bedell Smith, Ike's chief of staff, signing for the Allied Expeditionary Force, Germany was, at least on paper, defeated. Fighting would still go on in the East for almost another day, but the war in the West was over. Uh, since General Suspesarov did not have explicit permission from Soviet Premier Stalin to sign the surrender papers, even as a witness, he was quickly hustled back to East into the hands of the Soviet secret police. After Yodel was uh, wounded in the assassination attempt on Hitler on July the 20th, 1944, would be found guilty of war crimes, which included the shooting of hostages at Nuremberg, and he was hanged on October the 16th, 1946. He was later granted a pardon posthumously, in 1953, after a German appeals court found him not guilty of breaking international law, didn't do him a lot of good because he was six feet under. But nevertheless, today, the war was over, Second World War, at least on paper. Well, the White House issued a proclamation on the National Day of Prayer, but President Joe Biden left out the word God. The administration of former President Barack Obama mentioned God in a proclamation on the National Day of Prayer. Biden references Americans, many religious and belief systems, and the power of prayer. Throughout our history, Americans of many religions and beliefs systems have turned to prayer for strength, hope, and guidance. His uh, proclamation began, Prayer has nourished countless souls and powered moral movements, including essential fights against racial injustice, child labor, and infringement on the rights of disabled Americans. Prayer is also a daily practice for many, whether it's to ask for help or strength or to give thanks over blessings bestowed. Biden used God in his personal remark, crediting uh, the vaccine development of by the grace of God. Former uh, President Trump mentioned God many times in these addresses, in fact, as many as 11 times on the Day of Prayer proclamation. Let us pray for the police officers, firefighters, and other first responders who put themselves in harm's way every day to protect their fellow citizens Obama said in 2011, and let us ask God for the sustenance and guidance for all of us to meet the great challenges we face as a nation. I invite all citizens of our nation, as they, at their own faith or conscience directs them, to join me in giving thanks for the many blessings we enjoy, and I ask all people of faith to join me in asking God for guidance, mercy, protection for our nation, said Obama. The National Day of Prayer has traditionally been the first Thursday in May. Uh, what significance do you put on the fact that the, uh, Biden did not use uh, a refer to God? I think it just—it's—I think it's pretty emblematic and representation, uh, representative of the fact 
that uh, what is God, frankly, is government, quite frankly, in this new administration, in my opinion. Some states are starting to pull federal-related COVID-related unemployment benefits in part to, to address the labor shortages. This is pretty cool. This is to me, this is great leadership. Montana Governor Greg Gianforte, a Republican on Tuesday, said his state was opting out of the $300 unemployment boost on June the 27th instead of offering, he's offering a $1,200 return to work bonus. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster, a Republican, followed suit on Thursday ordering the termination of the state's participation in the programs by June the 30th. South Carolina's businesses have borne the brunt of the financial impact of COVID-19 pandemic, McMaster wrote in a letter to the Department of Employment and Workforce Director. Those businesses that have survived, both large and small, and including those in hospitality, tourism, manufacturing, and healthcare sectors, now face an unprecedented labor shortage, he added. What was intended to be a short-term financial assistance for the vulnerable and displaced during the height of the pandemic has turned into a dangerous federal entitlement, he said. GN14 in a press release said, Montana is open for business again, but I hear from too many employers throughout our state who can't find workers. Nearly every sector in our economy faces a labor shortage, he said. Incentives matter, and the vast expansion of federal unemployment benefits is now doing more harm than good, the governor continued. We need to incentivize Montanans to reenter the workforce. Our return-to-work bonus and the return to pre-pandemic unemployment programs will help get more Montanans Back to work, he added. U.S. unemployment claims fell to a low of 498,000 in the lowest point since coronavirus struck 14 months ago. Hiring has picked up in recent months, though, and the nation still has 8 million fewer jobs in March than it did in February. A Labor Department spokesman said the Associated Press that ending, uh, he said, ending participation in the programs will have the greatest impact on the most vulnerable. Totally out of touch. People, work gives dignity to life. People should go back to work, not trying to live off of welfare and unemployment. Makes no sense whatsoever. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is telling unemployed residents in our state that they need to look, be looking for a job if they want to continue receiving benefits. He said the Republican governor is reinstituting a policy suspended during the coronavirus pandemic due to high unemployment, stating that Floridians must prove they are looking for work to receive unemployment uh, benefits from the state. Good for you, Governor DeSantis. So, speaking of the governor, while signing the state's new voting law during television appearance early Thursday, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis hailed the legislation's focus on election security, saying the legislation adds the strongest election integrity measures in the country. Now, I couldn't review. I re- read a review of this from the liberal press. They're saying it's uh, <clears throat> preventing people from access to voting and all kinds of things. Just Well, here's the, here's the skinny on it. We've made sure that we're enforcing voter ID, DeSantis commented during his appearance from uh, West Palm Beach, where he signed the legislation in front of cheering supporters. We're also banning ballot harvesting. We're not going to let political operatives go out and get satchels of votes to dump them in some drop box. Florida Senator Bill 90 also prohibits mass mailing of balloting, the governor said. We have absentee voting in Florida for a long time. You request the ballot, you get it, and you mail it in. But it's just indiscriminately sent out to them. It's not a recipe for success, he said. Now, we vote by, uh, by mail. And I do it for on purpose, primarily because it gives me an opportunity to take a look at some of the things I may have not investigated to vote on. Uh, and it's uh, secure. But uh, here we've made it even better. Florida's last law requires votes to be tracked as they come in real time, and the new legislation uh, provisions will strengthen that, DeSantis said. Not the results, but we know who's voting, what your registration is, he said. We'll follow the turnout so that when the election is over, we know the universe of votes that have been cast, and it makes it so someone can't dump 100,000 votes two or three days later. He added in the past election, the state had had 11 million votes, or 99% counted by midnight of the day of uh, November the 3rd, so the law will make it even better as we go forward, he said. We're proud of the strides that we've made, he said. We're not resting on our laurels and signing this bill, says uh, Florida, your vote counts. Your vote is going to be cast with integrity and transparency. He also said he's not a fan of drop boxes, but the legislature wanted to keep them while tightening how they're used and where they're located. 
According to the new legislation, drop boxes must be geographically located to provide all voters in the county with an equal uh, opportunity to cast a ballot and be monitored in person. So uh, the legislation is complete, and apparently it's much better, even though I liked, I mean, there was very little fraud, if any, in Florida in the last election, but the things have gotten even better. Florida State House and Senate passed this bill in late April with the measure being approved 23 to 17 in the Senate and by 77 to 40 in the House. So congratulations. And by the way, Florida Governor DeSantis announced his state will be providing police officers, firefighters, and paramedics with $1,000 bonuses. DeSantis proudly announced that the bonus checks would be part of the state budget he intends to sign into law. Some wanted to fund the police. We're funding the police. And then some, he announced in a press conference. Uh, the money will come from a federal rescue plan provided by Congress. The money was provided by a congressional Democrat, signed into law by the Democrat president, and will now be go to police officers that many on the left would rather see defunded. <laughs> Pretty interesting, the irony of that, huh? This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. And Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. And I hope you'll visit these websites. These folks are supporting the show and have been for years. I'm just very grateful for it. Okay, coming up, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us, uh, the website. Coming up, I'm going to be visiting with Erica Donalds, the president and CEO of the Optima Foundation. Some exciting news there. Right now we have with us William Yateman. Uh, William Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Oh, org, I should say. 
<laughs> so, William, uh, I'm concerned about what's happening in Maricopa County. They, uh, this went to court, actually, and uh, uh, the judge said, hey, go ahead, do the audit of the Maricopa County uh, ballots, 2.1 million of them. And now Biden's Justice Department says, wait a minute, we're going to intervene here. Shouldn't they be staying in their lane, or do they have any kind of authority in a state election? Oh, well, to be clear, the, the intervention is uh, asking questions. So it's a, a, this investigatory mode for the mm-hmm. Department of Justice. And um, alas, the, the, their claimed sources of federal authority um, are uh, federal law requiring that the chain of custody of voting systems uh, may be maintained within the state's hands. And then they're also concerned about supposed voter intimidation um, because the company that is performing the audit had said that they were going to knock on doors, quote-unquote, to um, you know, ensure that uh, people on the voting rolls actually lived in the state and had voted. Right. Um, I think, to be sure, I can't imagine why the federal government at this point would be interjecting itself into what seems like a purely state matter um, but I, I'll bemoan the fact that uh, this gets at the nature of the federal state, of federal government, um, and federal law enforcement. Yeah. Um, there, there is no shortage of potential hooks um, by which the federal government can interject itself. I mean, we saw much the same thing with Michael Flynn, whose travails we discussed repeatedly yeah. um, on, on Fridays, but. It is just a the long and short of it is that it's not difficult for the federal government, for the Department of Justice, to ginny up a reason um, to start snooping around, and, and that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, it looks like a Hail Mary to me, quite frankly, because the audit's going on. It's so transparent. It's being fully, uh, you know, the, they have several cameras around the, the audit area. The security is extremely strong. A federal judge has already said continue. It was a federal state. I'm not sure. But... Uh, you know, my hope is that if, in fact, they try to intervene, they could take it back to court, couldn't they? They could take it to uh, to uh, have have it the uh, whole issue reviewed. Oh, well, you know, who knows what sort of litigation avenues the government could take? Mm. Um, on the whole, I agree with you. Let's just wait till they get some results before we start either picking it apart or or litigating it. Um, so. Uh, you know, to me, I think everyone's sort of putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Um, you know, let's, let's get some results, and then we can scrutinize those and go from there. Yeah, it makes sense to me. But you know, what I th- think this all indicates is uh, Biden's very nervous about all this, because if these audits continue, if the dominoes fall, and we audit Georgia, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and other states, uh, you know, it could reveal a, a pretty sour and uh, unpleasant thing for uh, this administration. So... So let's let's move on to negotiations for Biden's infrastructure bill. I mean, he's out there politicking in. Uh, well, he was in New Orleans yesterday. Can you believe nobody showed up? To, to, <laughs> to, not one soul. Not one soul showed up. Anyhow, what what what's the latest in all this? Um, I'll, I'll note that you were teeing it up. It's the putative infrastructure bill. So this is the American Jobs Plan. Mm. Um, they claim it would cost $2 trillion. Um, it, it's supposedly infrastructure, but in fact it's, its focuses are, are climate um, change mitigation, health care policy. It's, as Senator Senate Major, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said aptly, it's in essence, a, a grab bag of progressive um, policies. Um, so it has very little to do with actual infrastructure, which perhaps perhaps explains why no one showed up to the event yesterday, do or leave. Um, but the latest on that is that both sides, I mean, uh, I'll remind your listeners that the Republicans have a counteroffer of, of 580-odd billion dollars targeted exclusively to infrastructure as it's commonly understood by the American public, roads, bridges, and the like. Mm-hmm. Both sides have made overtures to compromise in the past week. Um, it's impossible to know where that's going to lead. They're actually going to be, uh, to meet next Wednesday. The president will with both congressional leaders and also um, the West Virginia Senator Sh- uh, Shelley uh, Capito, 
who is leading that sort of the GOP counteroffer. Um, so the, the negotiations appear to be fluid. They're still trillions of dollars apart mm-hmm. um, in the cost, and they still very much disagree in how to pay for it, um, with the president favoring an increase in corporate taxes or income taxes, whereas the uh, Republicans are favoring user fees, gas taxes, electric vehicle taxes, and the like, yeah. um, which, you know, the principle is that the people who are actually using the infrastructure improvements would be the one to predominantly pay for them. Um, it's, I, I kind of wonder, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I, I always welcome compromise and bipartisanship. At the same time, gosh, I mean, there's been so many trillion-dollar bills of late. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would almost, uh, I, I much prefer if Congress would perhaps pause these trillion-dollar bills and just assess how much money is out there, and perhaps there's enough money to sort of fund their infrastructure priorities uh, um, as is. But right. um, nevertheless, the, that's the state of play of the negotiations. Yeah, the bills that have already passed, my understanding, is billion dollars that have been addressed through the PPP program or whatever it is towards uh, Chinese-backed... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> organizations in the United States. I mean, there's just a lot of corruption and waste going on in, in the bills that are... I mean, a trillion dollars is a lot of money. I, you know, and right now, we're about only $570 billion from the Republicans. It's It uh, used to be that a billion dollars is a lot of money. I couldn't agree more, and I just want to echo a point you just made um, regarding sort of the profligate waste that, that uh, we are seeing anecdotal reports of regarding all this stimulus money. Um, the New York Times had a very informative article this week um, interviewing uh, the inspector general. In essence, the, the person who was tasked with overseeing these trillions of dollars of COVID stimulus, stimuli, I guess. Um, and, and it was alarming. He, he, in essence, said, look, no one, is paying attention to how this money is going out the door. Mm-hmm. It's very willy-nilly, and in essence, guaranteed a great deal of waste. And to be sure, we've seen a number of anecdotal reports to that effect. I mean, you know, of um, people abusing uh, sort of these generous handouts. Um, so that that remains to be seen. I mean, that's sort of playing out, but that is a big concern. I mean, that there is very little oversight with this money. It is going out sort of willy-nilly. Um, and uh, I wouldn't shock me if in the future we see an increasing number of reports of sort of outrageous um, expenditures associated with these compensations. Uh, absolutely. I, I reported earlier in the show that uh, some governors now are saying, wait a minute, uh, we're, people are not incented to go to, back to work. They're incented to stay on unemployment because they, they make more money that way. And so one governor, uh, I, th- was it, uh, I think it was uh, Montana or Wyoming, said, uh, you know what, uh, we'll give you $1,500 if you just give up unemployment and go back to work. Our governor said, you know what, uh, you have to ch- demonstrate and prove that you're looking for work in order to get unemployment. So maybe we'll start, uh, you know, reining in these programs. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Again, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon. He's also with the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. 
Blue Provence French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you New York-style theater at its very best. And I proudly served as board chairman for 15 years and just very proud of the progress we're making. I hope you'll visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Erica Donalds, the president and CEO of Optima Foundation. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is a, a director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. So uh, we had William Yeatman on just previously, so I won't ask you about the Cato Institute, but I just want to acknowledge the fact that it's a terrific organization. Cato.org is the website. So, uh, Michael, I'd like to start off with asking a question about Obamacare. I read news that apparently more and more people are now signing up for Obamacare. What's the incentive? Well, the incentive is that the federal government is giving away stuff for free. And so who doesn't want free stuff? Yeah. Not only does the federal government subsidize Obamacare health insurance heavily before the pandemic, but uh, since the pandemic, they have expanded the subsidies so that more people can enroll in Obamacare with no premium, without paying anything toward the premium. And the Congress and the Biden administration have, at least temporarily and maybe permanently, increased the subsidies available to Obamacare for the wealthy so that people making up to a half a billion dollars per year can get thousands of dollars in subsidies to help them afford the Affordable Care Act's affordable coverage. Of course, if, if people making that much money need subsidies, uh, maybe it's not all that affordable. Yeah. Uh, and there are other things that the Biden administration has done to increase enrollment by loosening up the rules about the parts of the year during which you are allowed to enroll in Obamacare. And uh, they, they created a new special enrollment period that allows people to enroll even though the normal rules that allow people to enroll right now, even though the normal rules say you can only enroll during the last several weeks of each calendar year, or if you experience a life event at some point during the year. Yeah, so, Michael, I mean, uh, as I recall, and and we've discussed this before, but uh, in terms of providing health care insurance, Obamacare is pretty dysfunctional. I mean, it it covers everything, but it's very expensive. Now we're getting subsidies in order to cover it, but it's, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, the reason they're amping up the subsidies in Obamacare is because subsidies is because the insurance is very expensive, yeah. and it's counterproductive to increase the subsidies in order to deal with that expense because subsidies don't reduce the cost of insurance. Subsidies increase the cost right. of insurance. Right. Subsidies make people care about about costs less, so they consume more, which drives up both quantity, utilization, and it drives up prices. And so this is a totally self-defeating approach. It drives up the prices of both the insurance and the underlying medical services. Because when you increase insurance coverage, 
that causes the prices of the underlying medical services to increase because insurance companies are not very good negotiators when it comes to yeah. uh, uh, trying to spark price competition and keep prices down. So this is very uh, another dimension of this, Bob, is that even though the Biden administration is boasting that they've enrolled, you know, close to a million more people in Obamacare plans, uh, that's still far short of what the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, projected would be Obamacare enrollment. But worse than that is the people who are enrolling are likely, during this uh, special enrollment period, are likely to be sicker than average, right. which is going to cause the cost of Obamacare plans to rise even more. Unbelievable, Mark. Well, thanks for your uh, clarification on that. It's, to me, it sounds like the attempt by the government or by this administration to move towards single-payer uh, system, quite frankly. So, um, look, before I let you go, I do want to ask you about um, uh, what's happening with uh, the, the president saying, you know what, we're not going to uh, allow these companies that have developed these uh, vaccines, we're going to just do away with their property rights and all this. I think that's my interpretation. Al, what are your thoughts? Right. So the, the Biden administration wants to signal that it's going to help get more vaccines to more people. And so it's going to, it said we're not going to enforce the patents that these drug companies have on their vaccines. That is a totally useless gesture, though, that it's not going to expand vaccine capacity even one iota. Hmm. The reason is that some of these pharmaceutical companies are already saying, we don't want you to enforce our vaccine uh, or our, our patent protections on our vaccines. Moderna has already done that. And when it comes to the other pharmaceutical companies, it's not the patents that are inhibiting production. They are licensing their vaccines to people as rapidly, or their, their patents to people as rapidly as they can, uh, and they're hitting other constraints that are, that are slowing down production or, or inhibiting them from ramping up production. Choke points like they can't find the manufacturing facilities. Mm -hmm. the, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are at what we call mRNA vaccines. These are totally new. No one has ever developed these. There aren't any factories out there. To develop them, they have to build those factories. What's slowing that? That's what's slowing that down, not the patent. That's uh, so interesting. There are also restrictions on uh, or short uh, uh, scarcity of raw materials in order to put these uh, vaccines together, and that's what they're bumping up against. Uh, and the United States is actually making that harder. There, there are policy constraints that the Biden administration should be lifting if it wants to expand capacity. That it's not like. Uh, uh, the United States hasn't um, uh, approved the AstraZeneca vaccine, and we have to get the government. AstraZeneca has to get, a, get a, the government's permission to use to send elsewhere the vaccines that the United States bought and isn't using. The, uh, huh. the United States is preventing the Biden administration is preventing raw materials from getting to other countries. These are the things that are slowing down vaccine production, not. So enforcement by protection. Yeah. So, Michael, why is the president? Uh, to me, I'm very concerned about patent protections and the uh, in, protecting intellectual property, so that we will continue to have innovation and uh, people willing to invest to build, bring out new uh, uh, drugs, new uh, intellectual property. So, why did he do it? There are a lot of people on the political left who don't like. The fact that drug companies are making so much money, saving lives. Yeah. They see profits as evil. They don't understand the role the profits play in satisfying human needs and improving and saving lives. And so uh, this is sort of a stop to them to say, we're going to stick it to the drug companies. We're going to let anyone huh. produce these vaccines and, and we're going to eat into the drug companies' profits number of problems there. One of them I've already mentioned, which is that's not the constraint. That's not going to, so, so that's not going to have an impact on vaccine production. The other one is that it feeds into this idea that profits are somehow evil, that profits are evidence of companies exploiting people. Here, profits are evidence of Pfizer and Moderna and other vaccine manufacturers saving uh, millions of lives. And and profits are doing, in this case, exactly what you want profits to do. There are a lot of unjustified profits uh, that exist 
as a result of government interventions. I would call those actually plunder, not profits. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't apply in this situation. Uh, so inter- interesting. Michael Cannon, again, the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Take always, care. always a pleasure. All right, coming up, Erica Donald. She is the president and CEO of Optima Foundation. We'll be talking about Naples Classical Academy. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Hey, Erica, how are you Do you doing? suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, I'm hips, well, or knees? So I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, <laughs> I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you, too. Do you have a deadline you have to finish up by? Great. All right. You're on hold. Be on air in just a second. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Erica Donald. She is the president and CEO of the Optima Foundation. Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's great to be on. Thank you, Erica. And full disclosure, I proudly serve as a board member of the Optima Foundation. Uh, so tell us what, tell us about the Optima Foundation. What do you do? Well, Bob, the Optima Foundation was started in 2017 with the mission to open and expand high-quality schools of choice. And that includes uh, two schools that we currently have open, public charter schools in affiliation with Hillsdale College, uh, one in Stewart, Florida, Treasure Coast Classical Academy with over 1,000 students, and another one in Jacksonville, Jacksonville Classical Academy. And we're opening another school this year in Naples, which I know we're going to talk about today. And we have two more on the horizon. And we're just going to keep opening these classical public charter schools and making classical education available to every family that wants it for their child. Outstanding. It's just I'd love to see every child have an access to uh, classical education. Now, give us a little bit about the nuts and bolts in your relationship with Hillsdale College and how that's important. Sure. Now, Bob, you know my background is a CPA, and I was in investment management like you for about 20 years. So I know how to run a business, compliance, finance budgets, and that's what I bring to the table when it comes to running these charter schools. They are like multi-million dollar businesses, and we want them to be run well and efficiently, and that's what we do at the Optima Foundation. But the partnership with Hillsdale College is so important because they bring the quality control on the academic side. They provide the curriculum, the teacher training, leadership training, and ongoing professional development 
on the K-12 classical curriculum that they put forth to ensure that the students are getting the best high-quality education in the classroom, that back-to-basics traditional education with phonics, grammar, classic literature, history, science, and all of the civic virtue and moral character lessons that we also want to ensure our students are getting as part of their public education. Hillsdale provides all of that support on the academic side, and so we're very fortunate to have that relationship. Absolutely. It's kind of like a, a template, isn't it? In other words, it, they, they can provide, and I'm sure there's no critical race theory or anything like that going on in the curriculum. Absolutely not. In fact, there aren't any progressive fads in our education uh, that's provided in these Hillsdale College classical schools because these fads are unproven. Uh, most of the time, they're politically driven, and our children deserve an education that has been proven for generations. And that's why classical education does what has worked since the days of Socrates and Plato. And uh, our children deserve that rich knowledge base that those students four generations have received and been successful, not the fads of today. And I appreciate Hillsdale College putting forth such a high quality product in the academic program that they provide. Absolutely. So, so in summary, then, uh, Hillsdale College is providing this high-level classical uh, education for the kids, and uh, you're providing the governance and the direction to make sure that the, the organizations and schools that get started are going to be solvent and uh, operating within the law and all, all the uh, requirements for a good business. It's a, it's a wonderful partnership, and you described it perfectly, Bob. All right. Thank you so much. So, uh, Erica, the uh, proof of the pudding is uh, in the tasting. So uh, do you have any results in terms of how kids are doing in the schools that have already opened? Well, the first result and that we always like to tout is the fact that in a public charter school, parents get to vote with their feet. Mm-hmm. And at Treasure Coast Classical Academy, with over 1,000 students already enrolled, K-7 to uh, seven right now, we have over 800 and actually nearly 900 students on a wait list. Wow. Um, and that's in a community that's about a quarter of the size of uh, Collier County, where we live, just to give you an idea. Wow. So we certainly are seeing the demand from parents in Naples, where we are opening with about 980 students in the fall. We have almost 2,000 applications for that school. So that result right there tells me that parents are looking for something different and they like what we're providing. Um, as you know, we, we don't didn't have any standardized tests last year because of COVID, um, but we do our own internal benchmark testing. Mm-hmm. And in a place like Jacksonville, where we actually have a little over half of our students um, coming from disadvantaged families, we've been able to bring students up multiple grade levels mm-hmm. in reading and in math from how they came into the school just in a four-month period of time, Bob, implementing this explicit phonics program and our Singapore math program with some extra tutoring and remediation. But this classical education program helps get these kids up to speed and on grade level where they need to be so they can move forward successfully. So all this costs money, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does. (laughs) And uh, public education in Florida is, is not the best funded in the country. And although we have great opportunities for charter schools in Florida and school choice. Uh, Our schools are funded up to about 30% less than the traditional public schools that are run by the school districts. Right. So uh, uh, the startup costs, there are significant startup costs in getting something like Naples uh, Classical Academy, getting to get them going. That's true. And we're building a 70,000 square foot building over on Immokalee Road, Bob. Hmm. It's going to be a beautiful facility for these students. It's what they deserve. They deserve a wonderful facility to learn in and to grow in and to create a school culture um, that's going to thrive. But you're right. Until these students are actually learning in the classroom, we actually don't get any funding uh, from the state only from private sources for the two-year period that leads up to the school opening, which includes all of the facilities, uh, um, startup and building, purchasing all the furniture and books. We have to raise money for that to get the school open and get those students uh, started. So I, I mentioned that because, uh, first of all, uh, I believe in, uh, in the uh, classical education for kids and i think this is the backdrop here as if i'm not mistaken for example fifth graders can read it about a uh, 58 percent of the kids in our public schools can read it as at uh, grade level which is atrocious performance and so uh 
you know, it's it's leaving them disadvantaged as they go into you know into life, quite frankly. And I think this is a great alternative for parents to look at for for their kids. It really is. And our parents, we do a parent survey each year in our schools, and the parents are absolutely thrilled with the quality of the education that their students are receiving. Uh, one of the best testimonials I've seen, though, and we've got testimonies on our, our websites and our Facebook pages for our schools, a parent said that their fifth grade son uh, has been showing much more respect for his parents since he's been attending wow. Jacksonville Classical Academy. And in addition to reading and writing better and doing mathematics better, Bob, and being better prepared for, for life and for their careers, and showing respect for your parents as a result of the school that you're going to is something you don't hear about very much these days. No. Well, that's that wonderful testimony. So we have this event, uh, Denim and Diamonds Gala. It's coming up on Saturday, May 15th, and I'd love our, our listeners uh, to know more about it. Well, we are so excited about this inaugural gala of the Naples Classical Academy. As you said, it's denim and diamonds. We are just going to have the most fun that we have had in over a year throughout this pandemic. Yeah. It's at the Destiny Tabernacle right off of Immokalee Road near 951, which is an open-air event pavilion. So plenty of space for everyone who would like to attend. Um, we will have a DJ and line dancers with entertainment, uh, a silent auction and reception, which begins at 5.30, and a dinner program at 7, with our special guest speaker, Madison Cawthorn, congressman from North Carolina, who himself was classically educated and was elected as the youngest member of this 117th Congress, despite some significant adversity in his life, having been confined to a wheelchair at age 18. A very impressive young man, and this is the type of person that we want our children to grow into someone who can persevere through adversity and, and be elected as a leader of our great country, a proud American, and someone who can speak to the value of our classical education, where you read the Federalist Papers and the Constitution, and you know what your job is as a congressman and as a leader of this wonderful United States. Yeah, I just, I'll just add that, uh, you know, that comment you made just really impressed me that parents say, I, I get more respect now from my child than I did before he went to the classical academy. I think this is so important. It's, it's not only developing kids who know who or have learned, but also who develop respect to become good citizens. And that's what so many parents say when they hear about our school. They love the emphasis on moral character and civic virtue. The Pillars of virtue of our schools are weaved into the curriculum explicitly and implicitly. Our students come to our schools kindergarten through 12th grade, and by the time they leave, they will know what courage is, what it looks like, what characters in history have exhibited courage in their classical literature, what it looks like there. What about honesty? What about respect? What about yeah. self-governance? Students will know what these things are. They will know what they look like in life, their own lives, within themselves, and in all of the rich history and literature that they will have experienced throughout their time there. It is so important, critical, and valuable as we create good citizens to go out into America and lead this country forward as the next generation. Right. So uh, for parents that uh, might be thinking, hey, this sounds really interesting for my grandchild or for my child, uh, uh, is there a waiting list now to get into Naples Classical Academy? Some of our grade levels do have a wait list, but I encourage everyone who's interested to apply at naplesclassical.org. You can still fill out an application. There's lots of time between now and August. People change their minds, they move, things mm -hmm. happen. So please do go ahead and apply. This way you'll start getting information. If more seats open up, you'll know about it. Um, NaplesClassical.org. And if you are interested in the gala, and we hope many of your listeners will join us for this exciting time on May 15th, NaplesClassical.org slash gala. And you can get your tickets there. Uh, there's some sponsorships still available there. Please come and join us on May 15th. It's going to be such a wonderful time. Well, I'll look forward to it. Lynn and I are attending. It's going to be a lot of fun, line dancing, all kinds of good things, and good food as well. So, again, naplesclassical.org is the website, naplesclassical.org. Uh, Erica, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, as always, for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. Win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I also serve on their board as well. I'm very proud of it. Great organization doing fantastic things. One of their programs, including election integrity that they're working on across the United States, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And I hope you'll find out more about the organization and about its many initiatives at thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, the, uh, I don't know if you heard about this story. <laughs> to talk about, talk about uh, this is just crazy. The full FBI warrant, which allowed officers to raid an Alaska spa to recover Nancy Pelosi's laptop. So apparently the laptop's still lo- uh, missing, but... Apparently, the full warrant detailing how a dozen FBI officers ended up raiding a spa in Alaska under false pretenses has been released, this according to the National Pulse. The story first came to a major national attention after the National Pulse interviewed Paul and Marilyn Huber, whose home and business was raided last week in an apparent case of mistaken identity. Keystone Cops. Unbelievable. The 38-page document revealed how a poor job the FBI did in identifying a woman they saw was in Speaker Pelosi's office on the afternoon of January the 6th. In summary, the warrant appears to rely on Marilyn Huppers wearing a black coat and having brunette hair as the motivations to raid the home, the Homer Inn and Spa, in search of HP ProBook 6440 G5, I5, laptop, amongst other items. The warrant also reveals that Huber's identities may have been mistakenly reported to the FBI following an altercation on Alaska Airlines flight where the pair are said to have been failed to adhere to the airline's masking policies. <laughs> in short, the FBI appears to have mistakenly raided a home and business in part because of a mad airline steward. <laughs> so, the, you know... Uh, and I said Keystone Cops, but isn't that absurd? Wouldn't you think that they'd have more reliable information to send 12 FBI agents into a home or into a business and raid them? must have been just really scary for them. But nevertheless, uh, the other thing that this course points out is that uh, Nancy Pelosi's laptop is still missing. I wonder who has it. Kind of interesting. Well, I mentioned earlier that Joe Biden traveled to Lake Charles in New Orleans on Thursday to promote his highly unpopular infrastructure plan that has nothing to do with infrastructure. Biden visited the Carrollton Water Plant in New Orleans, and he looked like a <laughs> clueless child on the field trip. He had to rely on note cards as he shuffled around the water plant. 
Uh, and by the way, nobody showed up to greet him. Nobody, not one soul. You think if somebody got 81 million votes, he would have a, a big uh, turnout. Uh, but he's, he's, he's an afterthought for most Americans, apparently. The 78-year-old Biden can't go anywhere without note cards. He's always spotted reading from note cards because he can't remember anything. Poor man. Well, President Trump on Thursday com commented again on the big lie that the Marxist Democrats continue to push on the American people on the 2020 presidential election. President Trump compared it to the Russia, Russia, Russia assault on his administration, the two fraudulent impeachments by Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. Pelosi is the only politician in U.S. history to fail at two impeachment attempts, but it was a good diversion by the Marxist Democrats and their media to continue their nonstop attacks on President Trump. The fake media and news media, and working in close conjunction with big tech and radical left Democrats, is doing everything they can to perpetuate the term the big lie when speaking of the 22 presidential, 2020 presidential election fraud. They are right in that the 2020 presidential election was a big lie, but not in the way that they mean, said the president. The 2020 election, which didn't even have the legislative approvals from many of the states, which is required under the U.S. Constitution, by the way, uh, quite frankly, the, the uh, votes could have been overturned because they have to comply to the law in several states, didn't, including Pennsylvania, for example, who, did, who just allowed things that were unconstitutional, meaning the uh, state constitution, in order to, uh, to uh, open up the votes. So in any event, so uh, President Trump continues and was also otherwise corrupted, but was indeed the big lie. So when they try to sell the American people the term the big lie, which they do in unison and coordination, think of it instead as the greatest fraud in the history of our country, an even greater hoax than Russia, 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 Mueller, 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 in, in, impeachment hoax, number one, impeachment hoax, number two, or any of the other many scams the Democrats have pulled. He's so right about that, isn't he? And finally, uh, Representative Elise Stefanik should assume the position in the House of Republican leadership that Liz Cheney currently has. She's a Republican from Wyoming. Uh, former President Donald Trump said on Wednesday, Trump is in a statement called Cheney's a warmongering fool who has no business in the Republican Party leadership. We want leaders who believe in the Make America Great Again movement and prioritize the values of America first. Elise Stefanik is far superior choice. She has my complete and total endorsement for GOP conference chair. Elise is tough and smart, he added. Stefanik responded on Twitter. Thank you, Mr. President, for your 100% support for the House GOP conference chair. We are unified and focused on firing Pelosi and winning in 2022. She wrote and referring to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Cheney is currently the House uh, GOP conference chair, making her the third most powerful re Republican in the lower chamber. But she has kept denigrating Trump months after uh, she and nine other GOP members sided with Democrats to impeach him. Uh, I've been very clear about my views about what happened on January 6th, about my views of the president's culpability. I obviously voted to impeach him. I think that it was the gravest violation of our oath of office by any president in American history, she said in an appearance. Trump has repeatedly hit back in a separate statement. He accused Cheney of continuing to say there was no election fraud, when in fact the evidence, including no legislative approvals, approvals as demand by, demanded by the U.S. Constitution, shows the exact opposite. And he is so right. You know, right now they're trying to stop this audit in uh, Maricopa County. I don't think they're going to be successful. They may... Uh, cause a delay, but I think it'll all come out. And my guess is more states will begin to tumble like dominoes. We'll see Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, all, all also uh, turn over, allow a complete audit, and we'll find out who the truly elected president of the United States is. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, on, on Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCenter.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Phil Kirpin will be joining us as well. He's a really interesting guy. He's, uh, I've forgotten the name of the organization now, but irrespective. And Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.